Welcome to the Manufacturing Employer Podcast, where we talk workplace culture and all things related to the strategies that drive exceptional environments for employees. You'll hear conversations with those in the manufacturing space tasked with making their workplace better. Employee engagement, benefits, onboarding, hiring, we'll be discussing the working experience from top to bottom. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Manufacturing Employer. I'm your host, John Franco, co-founder of Gorilla76. We are the industrial marketing agency helping manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. On today's show, we have a father-son duo that, quite frankly, are two of the most fun people I've ever worked with. No pressure, fellas. We've done a few projects together, and I think we'd all agree that there's been a lot of reciprocal learning going on amongst our two companies, Gorilla76 and MacTech Onsite Machining Solutions. So let's get into the introductions. Joel Windbreaker grew up in North Dallas, departed for Louisiana State University, the home of not only Shaquille O'Neal, but also Pistol Pete Maravich, and of course, Joel, for undergrad studies, then made his way back to Texas for grad school in the form of an MBA at SMU. He explored several investment firm jobs, eventually helping a New York stock exchange company make a European acquisition in 1990, prompting a move to England for a few years. Upon returning to the States, he reconnected with MacTech and moved to Minnesota in 1994 for what he thought would be a three to four year stint. And well, the rest is kind of history. He claims to have made every operational mistake possible, which Joel, I'm coming for the throne on that one. Trust me, I hate to admit it, but I am. I got too many, too many years you can't catch up. Uh, I don't know. I'm going at a fast rate, so we'll see. But Joel loves the challenge of solving problems under pressure, dealing with sharp people, and helping good things happen. Luke. Did Chat GPT write that for him or something? No. Why? Does it sound like it? It just sounded really good. It didn't sound like something he would write. You're dealing with an old copywriter here, Luke. All right. I got it. Luke joined MacTech in 2011 and today serves as marketing and sales director, helping MacTech effectively communicate their position as a leader in development of on-site machining equipment and processes, offering standard product supply on a sale or rental basis, specialized tool design and development, and full on-site staff contract service to a variety of industries such as oil and gas processing, industrial cutting, subsea decommissioning, power generation, and shield building. Luke is a passionate, strategic, entrepreneurial leader looking to become a trendsetter in the energy industry. Gentlemen, let's get into it. Love it. Joel, tell us about MacTech. I mean, outside of what I just read, what do you do? How long you been in business? You know, kind of give me the, the stats, so the back of the baseball card. Try and, try and get you the back the back of the card. Business goes back to 1974, original founding, which was actually a business in the heat treating business. All of our work is in place, in situ, meaning we go to the plant to do the work. In the, the mid-80s, MacTech was formed as a parallel company, and I joined the company in 93, 94 timeframe. So our business is doing precision machine work in the field. If, if something is welded in place, it's too large, time constraint, it needs to be modified, changed, finished, whatever it is, we go to the field or build a tool to go to the field to fix that or, or remedy that situation. It might be a shipyard, it might be a power plant, it might be a refinery, it might be a big press in a, in a forging industry, a variety of things, anything you can think of that might need to be modified to some level of pretty precise changes, that's what we do. We we design and build tools. The majority of our work domestically is service work. We actually come out and do the work, but 
if you have the competency and the interest, we'll rent you a tool. Uh, we have multiple hundreds of tools in our fleet and we'll sell you a tool. And sometimes like Luke's comment was we build specially designed tools as well. So we got three offices in the States four now, technically we have a small workshop in uh, Marinette, Wisconsin now and do business around the globe. We have our uh, distributor in Australia that we own and very active presence in Western Canada as well as Europe. Even more so in a different nutshell. I like to, for for anyone that might have just listened to that and said, what the hell did he just say? I like to explain it to people at a cocktail party like a plumber. We're a big glorified industrial plumber in, in many ways, although we work in things other than water pipes, but we work on a lot of pipes and factories and refineries. And when when John, your sink, when something's wrong with your sink, you can't pick up your sink and take it to the plumbing fixer store. You got to call a plumber with the right tools to your house to get under your sink and cut things away and, and make it right again. So a lot of our, it's it's not as simple as that, but it's an easy way to explain it. That is a really great way of explaining it. Because I, I remember when we first started working to, together, I was like, wait, it was hard for me to understand. But then you're like, well, somebody's got a giant ship right? They can't just bring the ship into the mechanic like I can take my car. It's, it's a little different. And similarly to the plumbing concept, most of our customers don't want to be spending money with us. You don't want to be paying the plumber. And most of our customers really don't want to be spending money because something's wrong or something's broken. From day one, you're dealing with unhappy people a lot of times. Kind of. Kind of. We do a lot of new construction too. So that's, yeah. that's not completely fair, but somebody's got something that is worn out or broken over time. And you know, if they have the right attitude about longevity of the product and performance of the equipment, then they know you have to put some money into it. But, you know, there are a lot of guys that don't change the oil in their truck for 200,000 miles and then want us to fix it too. So you mentioned the locations earlier, and I was lucky enough to get to make a trip up to Red Wing, Minnesota, which was remarkably cool town. I, I keep describing it as reminding me of almost a, like a Colorado ski town, but in, in, in Minnesota, like a old cool river town. But I got to see that MacTech culture firsthand. Luke, as a as an employee of MacTech, how would you describe the culture? It's pretty. It's a remarkable culture. I felt it when I walked in. How would you describe it? I would describe it as a strong group of guys and gals that have a lot of them have been there for a lot of years. That like to work hard, like to dress business casual, really business casual. Jeans and sweatshirts are like our Carhartt shirts. Those are our that's our formal wear. That's like the formal. If you're dressed up, you're wearing jeans and a sweatshirt. We take our work really seriously, but I don't think we all take ourselves extremely seriously. Plenty of jokes and plenty of fun and plenty of Nerf dart guns flying across Joel's desk to the person invoicing the jobs for us or something and bothering people, hopefully in a good way. But, you know, lots of plenty of jokes and having fun and just kind of a good sense of team and camaraderie for for a lot of the things we do. Joel, I know you spent some time in Europe before, as we learned in your bio and as 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 I had learned before. Do you think that spending time in Europe affected the culture of the company you're building here in the States? Did any of that translate? Were there any learnings that that maybe you picked up? I suppose it did, but it didn't consciously. It changed my life. It changed my family's life to a huge degree. And it was, again, it wasn't a conscious, this is better. It was a place we enjoyed living in a lifestyle that we really, we really embraced and had a really good time. We went from 
living in suburbia neighborhoods of Dallas to living in a little village of 2,000 people looking out at the North Sea and hiking in the trails and going to the corner pub. And it was just, it was a toned down lifestyle. And, and work was the same way. I mean, pretty extensive vacation and a different pace, to so to speak. So on the one hand, as a yellow, relatively young, hot-blooded guy, I thought we should be doing more stuff now. And I had a hard time getting the flywheel going over there in some of the things I was working on. But the flip side also parallel was like, you know, some of this stuff can wait. Some of it does wait. Set your priorities in life. And it's not all about work. It's about a good life-work balance. And so did I constantly bring that back? Not really, but I knew when we moved back to Dallas that I wasn't going to live in that neighborhood anymore. I just, it wasn't for us. And then we live in a, like you say, it's a pretty cool town. It's a rural setting. I live out in the country and 15 acres of horses in my backyard and stuff. And, you know, that's why the only, the reason MacTech is in Red Wing is because it's a good place to live. And that's who we're populated by. We could move this thing to Houston or Chicago or Philadelphia and probably be substantially bigger, but that's not the that's not what it's all about. That's not the motivating factor. How would you the culture of the Red Wing office? Is it similar across all the offices or locations? I should say I've only been to the one, but is it similar? And how do you kind of keep that? And and maybe that ties to what the the, the question I really want to ask next was. EOS in the entrepreneurial operating system. I know we are, we run on it. You guys run on it. It's been trans transformative to our business, but I'm wondering if that has helped you kind of keep the culture across. I, I, I've never managed more than one location, I guess. I mean, I guess we do because we have remote employees, but how do you keep that culture consistent? Well, it's about the people you hire it's, and it's about, do they share your core values and, and what is their core commitment? What do they want? What motivates them and stuff? And you can walk into any one of our facilities and they're going to be, they're going to be regional. You know, the people from Louisiana are going to be substantially different than Red Wing and people from Kentucky are different than anyone in the world, I think. But it's the same. It's, it's very, very similar. I mean, it's a, it's an open work environment. It's a anybody can say anything environment. It's a when it's time to do the work, put your head down environment. And it's populated with good people, good people that you that you want to hang with, that you want to be around and stuff and, and not just get through another eight hour day. So, you know, EOS probably has plays a big role in that now, but I don't think it's ever been that different uh, for us. We've always we've always we've always gravitated toward hiring good people that we like and share our ideals and and like working hard that love a challenge. I mean, that's the probably the underlying thread among everybody in the organization is that they want that phone to ring. They want the pressure. I mean, they welcome the opportunity to try and figure something out under pressure. So I would say, yeah. A big component of EOS is the core values. And I admittedly was one of those guys when I used to hear things like mission statement and vision and core values, I rolled my eyes. I was like, this is because I think my my exposure to all of that was I saw so many companies do it poorly to where they printed them out, they posted them on a wall somewhere and hey, well, we've got our core values, but it's so much more than that. In fact, the gorilla, they're not really printed anywhere. I mean, of course we have them woven in the website copy and, and different things, but it's we've built our core values into what we do every day. And if a decision doesn't line up with one of those core values, we know how to answer it based on what our core values are. What are your core values and how are they used at MacTech? 
we started with them. We thought about them long and hard. They they came into our discussion pretty quickly of who we already were. So I don't think we like reinvented the wheel. And actually, ours exist on a wheel or a cog. So it was like unearthing them, right? Yeah, it's just it was kind of unearthing them. But we did make them all start with a W so that we 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 could all remember them. I, I think that's important. <laughs> that's kind of the. That was kind of like the second round. We were kind of like, you know, let's let's make these all a little bit more cohesive. And they're uh, work safe, work hard. We before me, welcome challenges. And last but not least, wow them. I love it. They they find their way into our processes. They're on every brochure and spec sheet we send out. Like you said, they're on our website. We have a video going over them. They're in our employee reviews to review, you know, how did XYZ employee follow these core values this last year, cite some examples. We have fireside chats every two weeks. Yeah. Tell us about the fireside chats. Fireside chat. Love it. Started during COVID when uh, the whole world shut down and everybody at Mac Tech was like, what the hell are we going to do? Am I going to have a paycheck in two weeks? All of our customers kind of like, squeezed everything down and we were we didn't we didn't even know what we we're gonna do. So we decided to start a fireside chat during those first few weeks to just get on a video call. I think we started live. We ended up that was just hard and we started doing recordings of them pretty quickly. But it's really just 10, sometimes five minutes, sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes 15 minutes of updates of major things that are going on, big wins celebrating people that are following the core values, celebrating the win of certain people that did something great the last two weeks, celebrating a, a new customer or, or, you know, especially during those early times, just saying how we were dealing with the issues faced in front of us. And don't, don't worry, don't panic. We're, we got this under control, even though I don't think anybody in the world knew what was <laughs> what under control meant at the time. And it's about like, it's a lot like <sighs> Luke described uh, the atmosphere around here is uh, we talk about some serious stuff, but it's a great avenue for me to pull dad jokes and make Luke answer them on screen and stuff like that. And they groan, but they can't, they can't do anything about it because he has to, he has to continue the fireside. So I ask him anyway, and Luke's hit it right on the head, but you know, Frank, Oh, the, the point with the core values now is that we went to the same deal where you just print them out and stick them on a screensaver or put them on your desk or post them on a wall. And that's not enough. You know, that doesn't do anything. That does. That's almost non-productive. So when we really got serious about it, and like Luke said, starting them all with W, we want everybody in the organization to know what they are. And when something goes sideways, that's when the antenna really go up. So like, what's what's wrong here? Which one of our core values got violated here? Now, can we can we work around that or we, can we have that entity, vendor, customer, employee, whatever it is? Can we make them go from being a plus minus in this category to being good or whatever? Or, or we're gonna have to just do without. I mean, and we'll just we'll just fire a customer over it or we'll fire a vendor over it. If if it's gonna dis if it's gonna disrupt our organization and and start breaking down something that we've built and got momentum in the people category. But we're not going to tolerate it. I love it. It's too hard to get them that momentum, and there's too much you put into building it to to let something externally derail it, or even internally if it's a if it's an employee or or something like that. Absolutely. And if and when you do look away, it's 
it's that bad apple in the in the barrel. It, it festers. It gets worse. Speaking of people, another part of EOS, and again for the listeners, that's the Entrepreneurial Operating System. It, it's it's a a concept created by Gino Wickman. It's a great book. It's a great way to to consider running a company. There are other similar models, but it, it's something that's worked well for us at Gorilla and and is working well for MacTech. But there's something called the three uniques, and it, it, it's those things that kind of make you make you unique. And and the MacTechs all deal with people. You have exceptional people in the equipment, expertise from experience, passionate customer commitment. I'd love to know more about how you arrived at them, how you make sure you honor them, and how they're just kind of how how they're woven in that day to day. Those three uniques. Well, I was looking at Luke to see if he was. I was late. I was just playing off the playing off the man. I'm glad John read them off because I usually excellent and exceptional always melt into my brain, especially on the spot. And I'm like, exceptional people and equipment. Take luck. Well, we, you know, we pounded around on these a lot in our leadership team for quite a while. It was not easy to to come up with these. And, and we had an implementer at EOS at the time. And the point is, everybody's probably got one or two of these, but nobody you know has all three of them. So the excellent People, exceptional people and equipment, you know, we just put a lot of pride in the equipment. It's got to be good stuff. And the, to get make it be good stuff, you got to have the right people following the same rules and believe in the same thing. So, you know, that's just like we take pride in who we are, we're going to, and what we do. We got to do that with the right people. And the passionate customer commitment really is, is that we want the customer to have the same feel from every touch he gets. And that customer is going to have a touch with a lot of people in our organization by the time we send him a bill. He's going to talk to, Maybe reception. He's going to talk to the sales. He's going to talk to an operations person who's going to who's going to help decide what the what they're going to do. He's probably going to deal with a product delivery, or he's going to deal with people coming to his site to do a project for him. And then that's important. To experience the expertise from experiences. Every time an opportunity arises, and that's what we call them. It's a it's a job number or whatever. An opportunity arises, it goes through the system and operational people. Not salespeople, operational people make the final decision of what the recommendation is. So we base our recommendations on experience because we've been doing this for a long time. So we want it to be right. We don't do it off of, you know, like engineering calculations on the on the whiteboard. We do it off of, hey, this worked. This, this is what we recommend and stuff. So, you know, we tie those all three together and we we just really don't want to violate it. And, and, you know, the guy who's the integrator, Sam Shamel. I mean, when things start getting kind of goofy or whatever, he just draws it back in. So, whoa, 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 whoa. let's let's talk about this. Where's our experience factor? Let's get in that lane. Let's go. So, we use that daily more than I ever thought we would. I thought it was going to be kind of a tagline, but like our core values, we use that very, very regularly. Yeah, that expertise from experience. Even recently, I've been kind of performing some internal interviews of employees to to ask them why we do things a certain way or why we build things a certain way. Or, and really, it started out as a marketing effort to translate their the knowledge buried in their melons into things that customers want to see. But it's really opened my eyes into how much experience a lot of our, not a, you know, not everybody, there's some new people, but those people will learn from some of these veterans, but just how much muscle memory experience is buried in these people's brains and how many problems they've solved on the fly. And and it's not always talked about, but when you start talking to them, they just kind of 
vomit those stories out on you. And it's there's some incredible knowledge buried in this organization. And it's kind of like when you go on some lawyer's website and they're like, between all the partners in our firm, we have 365 years of experience. And and we've read all these books on the wall, yes, right? And it's, that, it's like, okay, you got, you got 10 60-year-old dudes working for you. I get it. Or whatever it is. And uh, it's just, that's a funny way of putting it. But when I start trying to get the melon baller out and scoop out that experience from these these guys heads it's it really is like man we've done a lot of jobs and you know what you're talking about it makes a difference the way we approach every opportunity is a lot of people will come to you and say i want to rent this tool or i want this or i want you to come out and do that and say well what are you doing what is the scope of work you have to start with that and we'll tell you we'll give you our recommendation how we're going we're not going to just do it because you said you want this size machine or that machine because you know, that's the equivalent of somebody coming into the doctor's office and telling them to, you know, operate on my kidneys or something. You're not going to do that till you till you get a little diagnosis going. And so we really rely on that. And it, it pisses people off about like, no, that's not how we're going to do it. You got to tell us, give us some more data, give us some information. And and they start telling us how many people. Would. You don't really need two guys. Send one person out here. So, no, we don't do that. We only have two man crews for safety reasons. Well, I'll help out. To Mr. Customer, we've heard that a thousand times. We're bringing two. So, so I want to get at because experience is so important, and you gotta you gotta keep. Once you have great people with great experience, you gotta retain them, and it's it's harder than ever right now. I think I say ever. I mean, I've been work. I, I, it's not like I've been working forever. I, I don't know. I'm sure there's been a time in history that's harder than now, but. It's not easy to keep people right now. What are you doing to keep them? Is it is it I know you guys talk a lot about celebrating the win. Luke, I know you're big on marketing to your own employees. Paint that picture for me. What is what does retention look like and what do the tactics around that look like? Well, employee retention, you know, we we have our own ebbs and flows of people that just it's a, it's a, it can be a tough industry in our world cuz people are away from home. To rough and dirty. It's kind of like we could be on dirty jobs. If Mike Rose listening right now, you know, he's we want to be on dirty jobs. I like the plug for Mike Rose. Maybe we, maybe we can <laughs> get some uh, Discovery he, Channel dollars here or something. Somebody, somebody tag that guy in this post. But you know, it's it's a it's kind of a rough and tumble industry. So I don't think there's any like I don't think there's any expectation that we're going to have hundred percent retention because it just it's not possible. It's not good, really. I don't think. I think that's no people. You know, I think we respect that too. People, young guys get into this industry, and, and gals, and five years later, ten years later, they say, "I want to have some kids, or get married, or settle down, or whatever it is." And when you're away from home for two weeks at a time, and traveling across the world and country, and and getting into dirty, somewhat sometimes dangerous jobs. You know, work safe is always there, but it's just not the lifestyle that everybody wants to live. On the opposite end of that, we have employee. We just had a guy retire that's been here what forty-one years. We've got several in the twenties, thirties of retention of people that have just been here their entire career, and I think it comes down to that culture and and enjoying working here and being part of 
a not just a department but a team you know we talked about celebrating the win and i think you just mentioned my comment on internal marketing i mean i think it's super relevant it's a term i use but everybody kind of does it but i i at least try to be very thoughtful about it i've got my mac tech hat on but on the back it says mac tech world series champions i don't believe that you were on the world series. i was on the world series champions. i believe you were on the super bowl champions so that goes, Wait, what are these tell me about yeah, the world this, series so the super bowl. These, these started as sales competitions where you know hey we're gonna for a whole quarter we're gonna see which let's have a competition between north central and south offices who can create the most opportunity we have a scorecard that shows you know you brand it as at bats and singles and doubles and home runs and a home runs a you know a purchase order over a certain amount so you're keeping score and everybody gets involved and you get a hat and uh you know it's just it's just fun to do stuff like that but we took it to another level again kind of when covid happened everything shut down people people were still getting paid but for a few weeks we didn't we weren't even going to our facilities so our facilities were just kind of shut down everybody was saying i can still work what can i do so we developed this rock and roll campaign that again had kind of scoring mentality of just keeping the drive alive and the biggest thing there was involving everybody, not just involving the sales team. So one thing we did was we just said, let's call all of our customers and not try to sell them something. Just say, hey, times are tough right now. How are you doing? We just wanted to be loud. We wanted to, to we, I, I, I truly believe we care about customers and the people that we work with. And we just wanted to ask people, how are you doing? And it like, everybody got involved. Not everybody... People were making cold calls and people are scared of cold calls. And some people did the the bare minimum, you know, like Jennifer Aniston, bare minimum flair in office space. And that's oh, yeah. fine. Classic. That's fine because people were uncomfortable, but it was so much fun seeing like a shop hand in Louisiana that was making like 30 calls a day and just being like putting in his reports. Like, oh, I, give I me some more to, names. I talked to Jerry. Give me some more. Like Jerry, he's doing great. Talk to Bob. You know, he had heart surgery last year, but he's uh, he's great too. He says, call him in a couple months. He's got a project or whatever. And I'm like, it's, we just involved everybody. And then we got, you know, just just keeping with the fun and doing silly stuff that people laugh about and have fun. We we did a cameo where D Snyder, Twisted Sister from Twisted Sister, came on and roasted Joel about dressing up in a kiss outfit because joel lost a little bet in that competition and had to wear full kiss attire to the office for a whole day when we went back to the office so see i i told the listeners that you guys were a lot of fun to work with i, I think you're painting that you're, you're you're painting that picture now i like to dress up let's just let's be honest if anybody wants a picture of joel dressed up in full kiss attire let me know or if they want to see d snyder roast him i'll i'll throw it in the comments i need it i need it that was fun. That was fun. I mean, yeah, we started we started with retention and and Luke hit on all the high points. We do the same thing that you have to do. You know, we we are conscious about keeping the pay adequate. We have a profit sharing plan that every employee in the company participates in. It's pretty aggressive. I mean, we give back a very healthy percentage of our profits to through that through everybody in the organization. You know, everybody is qualified and every quarter we give away two to five core value jackets to recognize people. And, you know, so you just keep it real and you just, you just engage and stuff is, is the primary deal. And 
people that get burnt out or people that want to make more money or they have an opportunity, they're going to do that. And you just have to accept that, but go find some more. I think it's always good to keep the door open too for those employees that are departing because we've had a few boomerang employees at Gorilla and like, there's no bad blood there. And I think it's so crazy when companies are like, we're going to burn this bridge. And this person, you know, I can't believe they're leaving. I mean, of course, as a leader of a company, I'm always disappointed when somebody leaves, but I'd be crazy to burn that bridge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because when somebody comes back, what that says to the rest of the organization is it's a pretty damn good place to work. I'm coming back. All right. Final question before we kind of get into the wrapping. It should be kind of fun. This is going to come out. This episode is going to come out well after the, the final four has played its way out. We've got Florida Atlantic the Owls. We have the San Diego State Aztecs, Miami Hurricanes, UConn Huskies. Who's who's cutting down the nets? Which side are they on? Are those both on? No, it's yeah, it's uh, Florida Atlantic and and the Aztecs going head to head. That's who I wanted to be in the finals. The two the two middle schools or whatever. I'm going. I'm going. Uh, UConn is the favorite, I think, but I'm going with Miami as the as cutting it down. They just look pretty aggressive. All right. In honor of Rick Barry. Joel's on Miami. Luke? I got San Diego State. That's who I'm taking, too. I mean, I, I think UConn is is definitely the favorite. But San Diego State looks so good, right? I mean, all these teams look good right now, right? I'm angry about this question because I got my I had a Creighton in Texas, and I got double bounced on Sunday afternoon. You had them both going as far as they did? Yeah. So, Holy cow. But it was a... It was a, it was a it was a uh, kind of a survivor pool pick them, so not that smart. I got to say, from sixteen down, I think every team that I thought was going to win lost. I mean, I my, I had the I had the reverse bracketology for the last two rounds, so it's got to be a result of the transfer portal. That that's because I mean, there's more parity in college basketball than I think there's ever been. Last year, you had St. Peter's going deep. This year, you've got Princeton. You've got, I mean, these school, the, the final four. That's all you got to see to know that this is totally different than we've seen before. All right, fellas, how can our listeners learn more? If they want to get in touch with Mac Tech or just see what you guys are up to. What's the best way to do that? Marketing guy. I would say go to LinkedIn because that's where the fun happens. That's where the conversation happens. You can go to our website and learn about our products and who we are and what we do. But I think LinkedIn is where people meet people and just connect with me or Joel and ask us questions. And I truly see that as an avenue to answer people and craft relationships and move forward. That's where that's where I met Joe and John, I think. Well, I went through your website first, but then spent three years like stalking you on, stalking your content on LinkedIn. So Yeah, I'd agree with that. And the website's pretty good and getting better. But I'd also, I'd pick up the phone and call one of the offices. I mean, if you want to, if you really want to connect, do the thing that I yell at everybody in this organization, pick up the phone and engage or go see that person face-to-face. That's who we are. That's that's how we differentiate our our passionate commitment is we're the first guy to call you. You're going to, you fill out a web form, we're going to call you first. And so you call me and say, hey, I'm interested in seeing what you guys do. That has an impact. I'm going to open the door for you. And I'll make sure to drop the links and contact information in the show notes. Lancelot link? Yeah, Lancelot link. Okay. Fellas, as always, it's been a pleasure and I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Listeners, there you have it. Episode of the episode four of the Manufacturing Employer is a wrap. I'll catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing Employer. And until then, keep putting your people first. Thanks, Franco. 
You've been listening to the Manufacturing Employer Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about our approach to industrial marketing and the role that company culture has in moving manufacturing forward, visit Gorilla76.com.